Ford. With a 90-day satisfaction guarantee. Shop us in store or online at WorldWideGolf.com. Prescriptions require an online consultation. Listen, you can listen, by the way, down in Rutherford County on 107.9. Let's head down to the borough. Let's bring in MTSU Athletics Director Chris Massaro. Chris, how are we doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Have you gotten some sleep since Tuesday? Not really. I, I mean, but that's okay. Uh, I mean, uh, now it's all kind of making sure he gets off to a good start and, and all of those things. So what I do like, Darren, is, you know, instead of being in the spotlight, the spotlight shifts to him where I, I like the spotlight on coaches, not on us bureaucrats. <laughs> bureaucrats. <laughs> so are you uncomfortable with that whole setting on Tuesday? Like you personally, like getting up there and these – these big pressers. So you're uncomfortable with that? I'm not uncomfortable, you know, but it's, uh, I prefer kind of the, the, you know, I'm more quiet and low key. So I prefer kind of the, the one-on-one. I really enjoy one-on-one relationships and particularly with our coaches, you know, and I think they tell you the same thing. And, and I, I think I'm, much more impactful and effective in a one-on-one setting than I am speaking to 300 people. Did you think this hire was realistic when you decided to move on from Rick Stockstill after 18 seasons? Did you think, because I know you were asked, because I was there, you were asked, you know, and it's a good question, you know, because I was going to ask you, look, if you make a move like this, you obviously have, I believe, ADs always have plan Bs in their back pocket if they're going to, move on, especially from a guy that's been there for almost two decades. But did you think when this decision was made on your end that that a guy like Derek, did you think Derek Mason was realistic or was it just hopeful? Like, take us through that. Yeah, and I think that, yeah, the answer is yes, because I believe in this job and I believe in kind of its future. And so if you can sell that, then you have a chance. You know, these people kind of fall in all kinds of different categories, you know, and and there's risks almost with everybody involved, but, like, kind of who's aspirational on your list? Who is realistic? And then who would maybe climb over glass to get the job? You know, and the one thing that when you go into these things, Darren, that you don't want to do is, is hire somebody you kind of have to beg to take the job or you have to convince that it's a good job. So in our initial conversation, it was readily apparent that Coach Mason was all in and he wanted the job. You know, I, I didn't want to be in a position where I'm trying to convince somebody about our potential. And and so that was really evident once we, once we talked. It was great. It is my belief, one of the reasons, just one of the reasons, and I don't know where it is on the list, that he wanted the job and wanted to be a coach again is because he dabbled in media. That's probably right. We're in back to coaching. That's just it did, my yeah, opinion. Yeah, he found out that's a much more difficult job, <laughs> and his coaching stuff's easy. Yeah, I don't think so, that's so. it. But <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and there's probably a lot more competition with people like you, you know, taking up airtime and stuff, and, and you know, and so there's not much room in that. And you know, you can make your mark in college football coaching because. That's going to turn over more. Yeah, I think he made the right decision. I think he definitely made the right decision. <laughs> honestly, and I, I kid a little bit, but 
that was also a nice factor for us is, you know, and, and for me to be able to watch those games that he did, mm-hmm. uh, particularly before we're even in a search and you go, Hey, this guy, that, that makes, you know, so you, you watch him from afar at Vanderbilt, then you watch him from afar, you know, with his television duties and those kind of things. And it's like, Hey, this guy is, is really good. So, so yeah, that 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 part does play a, a, a factor, and he's still got two bowl games to do with his ESPN contract. So I kind of like that idea of he'll be broadcasting on national television, uh, rep- representing MTSU as their head coach. Yeah, good point. Uh, so he said on Tuesday that uh, yourself and Doctor McPhee played a, a a factor in you know I guess getting him excited and really going for it because you know as he said you know he's a competitor he once he decided he's going for this i'm in it to win it so has he conveyed to you like what do you think were some of the things on your all's in on the mtsu side of things that you guys were were putting uh or saying to him that got him ramped up and excited uh for this opportunity yeah i I think kind of going more depth on our, our facility project uh, I, I think he liked the fact that I, I recognized that maybe administratively there were some holes in our program that that my not the coaching staff the previous coaching staff's fault, but but you know that, that maybe we we needed to take hard looks at other areas and how we like nutrition and nil and some of those things. So I, I think that willingness to take a hard look at at our program and. You know, that old saying that, you know, if the tire's flat, you don't fix it by changing the driver. you got to actually get out there and fix the flat. So, um, and then the other thing is that this program has good bones to it, as he, as he to use the terminology he does, that uh, he's going to inherit a team that knows how to work. Coach Stock kept this team up until the very last snap. I mean, they never strayed, so they know – uh, and we've won some games, so they know what a winning locker room looks like. They know how hard it is to work. They know what a relationship with a coach should be. So all that stuff that he can inherit, uh, so he's not inheriting an 0-12 type program where it's a total rebuild. We're just at one base camp on this mountain and would like to get to the summit. And and I think he's our guy. He's our guy that can get us there, and I, I think that attracted him as well. Athletics director at MTSU, Chris Massaro, on the line with us. He was asked several times, and hopefully we'll get him on uh, next week. I know he's he's really really busy right now, and we understand that. Um, if you know about getting people back to the stadium, getting people back to the games, and I've got a lot of MTSU friends who are alumni. I mean, a lot. I hear from them all the time. It there's no secret that it, you know. It's it's tough. And look, he had another job in Vanderbilt that was tough to get people to come to games. So he should be well-versed on the challenges of getting people in a stadium. But obviously, Chris, you guys had to have talked about this, and I'm talking about you guys as in at MTSU. Uh, you know, How do you tackle that? So what what is the feedback? Do you feel confident? Like everybody's excited right now, and you know ultimately it's about winning games, but also – there is more to it than just that. 
Are you guys confident in, in what you guys have discussed and heard from feedback that that will change with him, or how do you feel about it? Yeah, well, first of all, he's a big piece of that, and the head football coach is the point of the spear. But, you know, and this is one of the areas that I want to offer close examination on, you know, why, what can we do better to connect to our public? Like, I want our fans and alumni to say, that's my team. That's not MTSU's team, but we're all in this together. And, and so that kind of connection needs to take place, and I'm not sure we've had that the last few years. Uh, so so this is our team, that we can't win these games or accomplish these goals without our fans' participation and uh, help understand the critical role that they, that they play. So that's number one. Uh, number two is that uh, this uh, gives us a chance to kind of rebrand or reimage our entire football program, and we can't let this this slip away on us. We can't let that opportunity go. So, so there there will be heavy emphasis on that uh, in the, in the winter, spring, summer, all those kind of things that, that how people can help. Coach Ensel does a great job here in terms of soliciting fans and, and making them feel like we can't win this game, like we can't beat Tennessee and Huntsville unless you go to Huntsville and help us. And then to, to thank them afterwards as well. And, and just to do more of that, not to say that's not been done, but to do more of it and forge deeper connections. I, I think that all starts, but it's him, his staff, it's our athletic communication staff. It's our marketing staff. It's our university marketing staff. This is a really collective effort, and it just doesn't fall on one person's shoulders, you know. And so I need to do a better job, and we need to do a better job of, of laying out a, a well-thought-out plan and attack of how we're going to accomplish that. And so that's a, we've got a meeting next Tuesday. Uh, with our university marketing people, the, the marketing uh, people inside our athletic department, that's exactly the topic uh, of what we're going to talk about. I've got several questions, but I want to continue on on that theme since this is where we are in the conversation, sir. Playing games on Tuesday and Wednesday night, what has that been like uh, for you as far as attendance and game day atmosphere and all of that, playing games in the middle of the week? Yeah, and I, you know, and we knew that going in that there's a give and take to everything, you know, and and so we can talk about its positives and we can talk about its negatives, uh, but the reality is is we're going to play on Tuesdays and Wednesday nights for as long as this TV contract is, and and so that's to me is a real positive, and I firmly believe I, I firmly believe this that there's an audience out there that likes that that uh, and we can attract it. Number one, it gives us clean air. Like uh, it doesn't force people to to uh, choose between watching Tennessee or go to Knoxville on game days, as opposed to watching the Blue Raiders. So we take that off the table. We we get clean air. Um, so so people with dual allegiances and those kind of things, they can do both in the same week. What a great football week! And, and so we need to take advantage of that. 
Uh, number two is like, and I'll cite my car dealer, City Auto, as a as an example. They like those weeknight games because Saturday is their busiest day, and they can't necessarily pull away for a Saturday ball game. So there are people that are in the workforce that this game means uh, it gives them weeknight games give them much more of an opportunity to come. And then thirdly. Uh, and you can look over the course of our history here of these mid, of these midweek games. Is our students? Our students love it, and we draw probably twice as many on the weeknight game student body as we do on the weekends. We've got a uh, a, a student body that largely has to have jobs to help pay for uh, school and those kind of things, and a lot of those jobs are on the weekends, and so the, those nights offer a larger segment of our student body, a chance to come to our games. So I'm excited about it. I think this year we learned a lot uh, as a staff and some of those lessons, and and that's part of how do we we attack that? How do we take these as brand-new opportunities and and make it it shine? Because we know that for some people it's more inconvenient than a Saturday. We know that. And we know that maybe the tailgating gets more restricted on – on those weeknights, we know that. So how do we how do we take those kind of issues that are that are very real and kind of mitigate those with other with other uh, possibilities and, and routes that we can market to? I want to ask you about um, Derek Mason's record at Vanderbilt, and I know the answer to this question, but I need you to address it, sir, because you're the one who ultimately made the decision, and I'm going to read this uh, directly from a good friend of mine who is a former MTSU student. Uh, I don't know if he was an exact graduate, but he's a former MTSU student for sure. Um, He says, uh, wasn't this the same guy at Vanderbilt? I don't remember him winning a whole lot of games there, so why him? There is a stigma around Derek Mason, as you well know, sir, that has this 27-55 and 55 record at Vanderbilt. Um, so a lot of people don't feel like he is a winning type of coach. So what do you say to those fans who believe that Derek Mason doesn't have a winning resume in order to lead a football team? Well, first of all, I think that anybody would recognize that the Vanderbilt job offers unique challenges in the most difficult league in the country. Okay, so let's start there. Yes, sir. And let's look at their uh, school history of success in football, particularly the last 40 years, and let's look there. And then let's look a little bit behind the scenes of how those records went. So his first year that he's dealing with the rape case uh, and the court trial of it, that's hardly a a platform that you can launch from. I mean, that, that impacts your whole locker room. And so, uh, and I think if you talk to Derek, he'd admit that maybe he didn't have the right staff to go through that. And then you look at, uh, uh, he, he had some great wins, uh, you know, so there, there were moments, glorious moments that he had at Vanderbilt. And so how does that happen? You know, and, and then, you know, two bowl games, those kind of things. And then, uh, so, so you look at all that, and I, I think almost as important as I did the evaluation, and people are always welcome to disagree, but as I did my evaluation is that this, I was impressed with what he did post-Vanderbilt. So the, if the knock on him at Vanderbilt was his offense, 
So he goes to Auburn and works for Brian Harson, who, and I know it didn't work at, at, at Auburn for, as the head coach, but he's regarded as one of the best offensive minds that we have. And then the next year he goes off and he works with under Mike Gundy. Mm-hmm. And you look at that kind of a learning curve that he could inherit with Mike Gundy. And then what really attracted me was what he did with this year, quote-unquote, a sabbatical year. And and to be able to get out, get behind closed doors with coaches, be active, uh, try to, to add to your personal knowledge. So his quest for knowledge was, was is still there. It's still there. And, you know, and... and you know, the one comparison that I kind of made in my mind is you look at Mike Loxley, what he did at New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Really difficult place to win. And then he goes to Maryland, and th- they've had their moments. They've been competitive in the Big Ten. Yes, and, and he elevated their program. So that's what I do. And then you try to project, does he bring those qualities that we seek as a head coach to help our program? Is there an element of toughness? Is there an element of engagement? How will he relate to his players? Uh, I like the fact that, like today, he and his staff are visiting, I think, like 50 high school schools in the mid-state, and the fact that we don't he doesn't have to GPS where the high schools are. He already knows them. So he kind of knows a lot of the territory, and he knows what Middle Tennessee is like. So we've got those advantages as well. So... I certainly understand that criticism, but I, I would lot, want our fans to know that, that we looked at that, we gauged it, we studied it, and and so uh, I, I think that uh, and and Derek was great in the interviews. That's what that's why you interview people to see see what's happened and and, and all those kind of things and what lessons get learned. And he passed that all with flying colors. So I, I understand it, but also these people haven't had a chance to sit down and talk to him. And I would just say, just sit and watch. Just before you judge, if you feel that way, just watch what, what he does the next few months and, and, and not make an off-the-cuff evaluation on one statistic. One last question for me, sir, and that is you mentioned why you separated from Coach Stockstill uh, and the conference record was a big part of uh, of your statement about what you said about why you decided to move on from him. And the, the football team went to 10 bowl games in 18 seasons under Coach, but the bowl, I'm sorry, the conference wins and conference championships were not there. How do you gauge success is what I'm really asking here, sir. Is it the amount of bowls you're able to go to, you know, a New Orleans Bowl, the Hawaii Bowl, the Bahamas Bowl. You know, you went to a lot of nice, high-profile bowls for your university, but the conference wins weren't there. So how do you gauge success? Let me be really clear on this. The conference wins were there. What I referenced was the last five years we were below 500. So if you look over Coach Stock's 18 years, we had a really good conference record, so. But you uh, switched conference though in the middle, though, sir. Pardon me. You, you switched conference in the middle, did you not? It, it went from the Sun Belt to the to the Conference yeah. USA. Okay. Yeah. What does that have to do with anything? No, 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 sir. No, no. I, I was just I was just making making the reference. I understand, sir. I'm sorry. I interrupted. I apologize, sir. No. What I was saying is that uh, his record was good. In the last five years, we've had a tail off. 
and so where is that and can we regenerate the momentum that we once had? So to, to answer your question, I gauge all those things in terms of success. You know, Coach Stock, we went to 10 bowl games. I mean, that's we went to zero prior to his arrival. That We won an Eastern Division Championship in Conference USA, I think, in 2018. We, we shared for a title, like, in 2006 or 2007. So... Uh, he, like I said, we were at a good base camp. Uh, if you're summoning that mountain, but we were, I don't want to say stuck there, but we, we were there. And then the, the primary gauge that I use in all of our sports is your conference record. And to be in the conference and, and where we've been, and not necessarily Vanderbilt was in the SEC, but where we are, whether it was Conference USA or Sunbelt, those are peer institutions. We don't have a tremendous budget disadvantage. We don't have a tremendous facility disadvantage that maybe others do in other conferences. We're as good as anybody in the Sunbelt Conference, and I think we should be as good as anybody in the Conference USA, and all of our other sports prove that. So that's how I, I gauge success, and also the academic piece uh, can't be forgotten. And Coach Stock did a phenomenal job there and we want that to continue going forward. I know you referenced it earlier in the interview, but again, congrats on the win uh, for Coach mm-hmm. Enzel mm-hmm. and the Lady Blue Raiders. That mm-hmm. was amazing down hoping, in Huntsville. Yeah, I'm hoping that this will go down as one of the great days of Middle Tennessee history is that uh, we hired a tremendously successful coach, and also that was the day we beat Tennessee mm. women, and so it was great. And Huntsville did a great job of putting on a great show. Our fans came out and and supported it, and we probably had two-thirds or three-fourths of that arena. And so uh, it was exciting, and it was a lot of fun. So, And I think Tennessee, that's a four-game series. So one in Huntsville, one in Knoxville, back to Murfreesboro, back to Knoxville. So I thank Kelly for having the guts to play us and 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 doing something good for uh, in-state basketball and the women's sport. That's a great. That's a great four. Four uh, was that four years, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's fantastic. Four it's a four-year series. So hmm. thanks to Tennessee for doing that and Kelly for Chris, doing that. Chris, we appreciate your time. Good thank stuff. you, sir. Thanks for doing this. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you down the road. All right. Thanks, guys. MTSU Athletics Director Chris Massaro, we appreciate him joining us. 615-844-5600 is how you get in touch with us. We're wide open the rest of the hour if you want to get involved. You're listening to The McFarland Show. Tease the season at Edwin Watts Golf Shops by Worldwide Golf for holiday specials this year. Featuring the Callaway Paradigm Woods, forged carbon for unparalleled distance and forgiveness. Now up to $100 off. And from Bushnell, the new Tour V6 Series Laser Rangefinders provide you the most accurate distances in golf. There's always gift cards in any amount for the special golfer you're shopping for. Edwin Watts Golf Shops is